This gospel message is brought to you by the redeemed Christian Church of God, Fountain of Love, Aberdeen, UK. Open your heart to receive this life-changing Word of God. Indeed, we serve a very good God. It's quite possible that where you are, you can say, God is so good. And it's quite possible that you can't say it meaningfully now, but you will soon say, God is so good. God has a word of difference. You can say it in anticipation of what it will do. Um, and it's not that it's not good. You may not see it. It's very human not to. But very soon, you will say it with all confidence in Jesus' name. All right, so in the next few minutes, we are privileged this morning to have a friend in the house who has been here a few times. He's an Assemblies of God pastor by training and by upbringing. He's done a lot of youth work and it's been a fairly long time I last saw him, but um, I saw him today. He's looking a bit younger because... Uh, He's had a nice haircut. <laughs> so it's a pleasure to welcome the Partnership Director of Compassions UK for Scotland, Pastor Donelson. Please make him feel welcome as he comes to minister to us. Share with us. Thank you. You know, I was just, I think God was really ministering to me through that worship there. You know, I sometimes think that we make the goodness of God a bit like water. It's like when we're in the, the depths of a, a winter season, it feels like God's goodness turns to ice at zero degrees. Can you relate with me? It feels like when we're in the, the heat of summer and we can't take any more and it turns to 100 degrees, it seems like God's goodness turns to steam. But can I encourage you, church, that God was good, God is good, God will always be good. You know, a, a friend this week was telling me, he was talking to me about investment. He said, Don, if you're going to invest in anything, invest in property. Because every 10 years, it almost doubles in wealth. Not quite, but doubles in value. And can I just tell you, if you look back the last 10 years of your life, the wonderful story of the lady with her son who is 10 today. You look back the last 10 years of your life, the overall theme is that God is good. God was good. God continues to be good. You know, Psalm 23 is, is so famous, and this is from the Passion Translation. I, I got a new Bible at Christmas, the Passion Translation, and it says this here. So why should I fear the future? For your goodness and your love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and forever be with you. Church, can I encourage you? that I don't know where you're at with, with your pain, with your suffering, with your frustration, with, with maybe just in your own self thinking, where on earth is God in this season? But can I encourage you that God was good? God is good and God is always good. And it doesn't depend on how we feel, but he is still good. Amen. Amen. Hey, that was just a little aside. I'm excited to share with you guys this morning. Uh, thank you so much, Pastor Chris, Pastor Nicky, for opening up your pulpit to allow me to share a little bit this morning. I was so blessed through that worship. You guys have such a wonderful worship team. I hope you know how blessed you are to have such creative leaders and musicians. 
sometimes we can walk by the same thing every day and we don't notice it. And then all of a sudden our children are with us and they're like, look, duck, duck, duck. And you're like, oh my goodness, I didn't even know there was ducks in that pond. Or a friend can come over our house and say, oh, we love your sofa. And we're just like, hey, it's just a place where we sit down. But I want to encourage you, you guys have a wonderful congregation. You have a wonderful church. I've received a, such a warm welcome this morning. Um, and your worship team just, I was just so blessed this morning. I could have just sat there for another 20 minutes, half an hour, two hours, five hours. Hey, I've just got a few minutes this morning. It won't be too long, just, just three hours or so. <laughs> just kidding. Do you think God's got a sense of humor? Like, uh, one of my favorite verses of scripture is like, I knew you in your mother's womb, and it's encouraging because we know God knew us at the point of conception. And another one was, for me, when I'd grown up, was, for I know the hairs you have in your head. I think God was laughing with that one now. <laughs> but you know, this, this morning, I want to share with you guys three, three stories. And I want to, want to ask you a bit of a question at the end and see which one of the characters in these stories you fit into. And I'm going to give you the chance to, to sponsor maybe a child like, like Ace Gabriel. He's not just Gabriel, but he's Ace Gabriel and Nini as well. They're from the Philippines. And I'll share a little bit about Compassion. That's who I work for and, and share a bit about our ministry. But I want to share with you three stories. The first story is about the boy and his dad having lunch. You'll have heard this before. You're educated, smart handsome and very beautiful people but the little boy is over lunch with his dad and he says dad dad I really need to speak to you about a bug and the dad said why are you speaking to me about this over lunch that's a disgusting thing to bring up he said but dad this is very important I must speak with you about this bug and he says son we'll have no more of this we do not talk about the bug anymore not over lunch not in my house the dad laid down his authority to the young lad so lunch is over and they're sat down on the sofa watching a, a movie and the son says to the dad, he, he says, uh, or the dad rather says to the son, he says, son, do you want to talk to me about that bug now? And he said, nah, I don't want to. And he said, well, you wanted to talk about it over lunch. It was important in lunch at lunch because the bug was in your soup and I really had to talk to you about it. There's the other story that you'll no doubt have heard. It's the, the boy, his mum, his dad and the monkey. And the boy says to his dad, his dad was a God-fearing, holy man. He said, Dad, where is it we come from? Where do boys and girls and mums and dad, where do we come from? And the dad sits up straight, <clears throat> clears his throat and says, Son, you know, in the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and he shared about Adam and Eve and Adam and Eve had babies. Those babies became adults. Those adults became mums and dads and so on and so forth. And the boy was somewhat satisfied with this answer, and he, he kind of nodded along. He then went to his mother, who wasn't quite as, as God-fearing. She said, you know, we came from monkeys. We came from monkeys. We descended from monkeys. Essentially, we were all from monkeys. And the boy, absolutely confused at this point, goes back to the dad and said, Dad, you say we came from Adam and Eve, but mum say we came from monkeys. Who is telling the truth? And he said, well, son, really, we both are. We all did come from Adam and Eve, but when your mum talks about monkeys, that's her side of the family. <laughs> they all came from monkeys. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> you know, today I want to tell you the story of the blind man, the mute, and the everyday hero. It says in... It says in, in Matthew chapter 12, it says, Then a man was brought before Jesus who had a demon spirit that made him both blind and unable to speak. 
You know, it says in the book of Isaiah, it says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord raises a standard against them. I sometimes think in our lives, for me in particular, you guys are probably much more holy and have a, a better prayer life than mine. But I sometimes find when the enemy comes in like a flood, I, I'm, I, I'm drowning. I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't sense God's goodness. I can't sense his mercy. I can't sense his favor. I can't sense his, what is going on? But when the enemy comes in like a flood, this is what he robs us of. He robs us of our our sight because he takes away our vision. And he robs us of our voice because without our our, our voice, we lose our authority. And I want to share with you guys a little bit today from Proverbs chapter 31. And Proverbs chapter 31 is is so famous for the the epilogue of the the wife of noble character. But but just in verses 8 and 9, it says this here, to speak up. You know, it's how the enemy comes in, robs you of your voice. But to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the right of those who are destitute, speak up and judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Lord, I just thank you today for this wonderful church. Lord, give me the strength, the wisdom, the humility, and the understanding to, to really unpack what I believe you've laid in my heart for these wonderful people today. In your holy name, in your good name, amen. Amen. You know, I, I want to just encourage you as a, as a church for your goodness. You know, I don't know if you realize, but many of you in here sponsor children through compassion, like Ace Gabriel and Nene. I wonder if you, you want to put your hand up. You sponsor a child, you put your hand up. I'll keep mine up. We sponsor my wife and I. We sponsor three or four kids. Wonderful. As a, as a parish, as a church, you sponsor 73 wonderful children around the globe. How great is that? Hey, give yourselves a huge round of applause. Those, those, 20, those 73 children have received around 189 letters over the last 12 months from you. So when you're on the website, or if you have a smartphone, we now have a Compassion app. I think, George, you got the app. Is it good? He's loving it. He's taking selfies there. I send them to his sponsor kids. I'm just kidding. Uh, well, I took some selfies. You just got to check your phone. But uh, George has got the app, and and that's incredible. I don't know if you realize how precious those letters are. Roughly 11,325 hours were spent by your compassion children at the local church, being looked after, prayed for, being given great meals. Around, what was the stats on the meals here? I think it's something like uh, 12,500 meals have been given to your children over these last 12 months. There's been at least 73 medical checkups. They've been given 134 Bibles. You can do the maths on that. 73 kids, 134 Bibles. They are giving the Bibles away to their non-Christian, non-saved friends. Uh, And last year, around about 22,000 pounds was given from your parish into the lives of strangers that you will never meet. I want to thank you on behalf of those kids for your goodness, for your faithfulness, and for kind of being an everyday hero to those children. I love the story of a hero. I don't know if there's many of you here that, that love it. As a young lad in school, I, I, I used to watch all the, the, the silly cartoons on TV about heroes and, and superpowers and space. I just loved a great story. In Sunday school, I was often asked, you know, I don't know if your children do this in Sunday school and the kids program. They'd be asked, who's your favorite Bible character? Most Sunday school kids, it would be David or it would be Jesus. It was kind of, that was, or maybe a Moses would be thrown in there or a Gideon. Or jo- but for me, it was Samson. And it wasn't because Samson had this great story of grace and redemptive power. If you want to read about Samson, he's in the book of Judges. But, you know, it was because Samson had, like, super strength. And to me, Samson was the Bible character, most like He-Man when I was a little boy. 
But I love the story of a hero. I love movies like The Avengers and Justice League and Batman and all that sort of stuff because I love the thought of an extraordinary hero. I love the thought of someone who has something within them that lends it to the cause of other people. I don't know if you like that sort of thing. Like we hear stories about how movies, movie stars, they kind of go viral on Facebook and Twitter. Recently, there was one about Keanu Reeves, the star of the, the Matrix movies. Apparently, for years now, he's been giving money to homeless ministries. Apparently, he dresses up. No one knows him. He, puts, he grows his beard. He puts a hoodie up and some sunglasses and goes out and serves meals to homeless people in the city of LA. No one knows he does it. He just goes out. And we love stories like that, don't we? We love to hear extraordinary feat, feats. But for me, I have a few real-life heroes in my life. One is, is my mom. I don't know if you, your mom is your hero. My mom is my hero. We grew up uh, as kids in uh, what is now the most deprived area in Scotland, in a town called Paisley, just outside Glasgow. And the postcode we grew up in was the most, wasn't the most, but it is now the most deprived area in the nation. We grew up with four kids in a two-bedroom flat and a, and a old, what would be called a tenement block. I'm assuming there's tenements in, in Aberdeen. And we didn't have a lot as kids. I had a dad who was very sick and very angry with Christians. Christians said a lot of wrong things to him. But over the years, what happened was that in that time, he, he, he became very vengeful against the church. But mom was so faithful. And I look back across the pattern of my life and, and God's goodness was evident throughout the years that mom kept praying for my dad's salvation, kept praying for my dad's salvation. And when I turned 16, dad came to know the Lord. I thought it was a joke. I thought, it was, I thought there's no way you've got to know Jesus. He says, son, I went to church last night. I put my hand up in the service. I accepted Jesus Christ in my life as my Lord and my Savior once again. Like for a month, I was like, is this a joke? I'm like testing it out. But mom is one of my heroes. My wife is also one of my heroes. She is so calm. She is so measured. Husbands, hear me when I say this, but when your wife speaks sometimes, it's like the Holy Spirit speaking through her. I feel, like I, I feel like I should get a t-shirt that says, I knew when I married it was Miss Wright, but no one told me her middle name was always. <laughs> She's always right. That's the frustrating thing. Sometimes I get so annoyed and I say, woman. She says, yes. I say, stop making ridiculously good points. <laughs> Let me be annoyed. But these are some of my heroes in life. They are ordinary people. My wife is so kind, so gentle, such a caring heart for other people. We've, we've, as a family, we've been through the toughest 12 months that I possibly could have imagined. But you know, she's still, when I get a phone call as a young lad from when we were youth pastors 10 years ago, he still phones me up. And when he's in trouble, despite what's going on, she says, you need to take that call. You need to help him out. You've got to pray with him. You've got to encourage him. You've got to go pick him up. You've got to go help him. And I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm like, oh, I can't be bothered taking this call. She's like, you've got to help him. She's one of my everyday heroes. I remember as a child in, in school, I maybe shared this story with you. I remember as a child in school, I was uh, in the cafeteria one day and I'm over with my buddies and, and a friend of mine who I didn't really know that well, he was over and, and people started throwing some food at him in school and he started getting bullied and things went really bad for him to the point he had to leave the school. But I remember God almost speaking to me in that moment, you got to go help him. I was a good kid. I went to Sunday school. I knew my Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I could get to about halfway through the Old Testament. And then like most of us were like, okay, where does that prophet go? I kind of knew that stuff. I knew the disciples. I knew the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, peace. I could recite all that stuff. 
But in the moment when God actually asked me to do something, I'm over here. I move around a lot, sorry. And the light's probably shining off my head. And, and it, but I'm over here, and God's saying, you've got to go help Doug. And I'm like, I can't do it. I'm like paralyzed with fear. Like in that moment, I think it's in moments like that that God is looking for an everyday hero in us. I think God is calling us to new levels of kindness, of compassion, of humility, of gentleness, of patience. Like Paul writes in, is it in, in Colossians 2 or 3 to wrap ourselves in this stuff. I think it's in those moments that God is looking for the everyday hero. I don't think it's, it's moments on a, on a pulpit with a, with a microphone. I don't think it's in moments where it's going to be seen by 10,000 people on Facebook. I don't think it's in moments when we're around our family and friends. I think God is going to use you and I in the most profound, subtle ways. And he's looking for our obedience in the quiet stillness when no one can see. And if God can see and witness our obedience then, then I believe that he's going to pull us from obscurity. Because that's what he does. God pulled David from obscurity. He pulled Moses from obscurity. And he puts them into positions of power and influence. Because we can never assume that heroes are born. You know, hey, Superman, he was born like that. Batman was just born angry. He just wants to beat people up. Iron Man was born so smart, he can make loads of suits. But I don't think heroes are born. We assume that some of these traits are given and they're not developed over time. I think kind of for us, we've fictionalized what it is to be a hero. We've fictionalized what it is to do something good for someone else. We think that in order for us to do something good, it's got to be something that, that, that's noteworthy, that it's got to be front page news, not, not that anyone really needs news, reads newspapers anymore. We've got to do things that's, that, that's noticeable. But I wonder if, if we as, as, as Christian believers are going to carry almost like a, a culture of being compassionate, of being like everyday heroes. Like a culture is the behavior and belief characteristics, a way of life. In other words, when we think of compassion, when we think of kindness, it's got action attached to it. The word compassion in, in, in the Bible, as it would have been spoken at the time, it would have been the word splagnitsumai. That's not like some Glaswegian way of saying spaghetti bolognese. Splagnitsumai. I know Glaswegians have got horrendous accents. <laughs> Sorry. Splagnitsumai. But what that means is this is to suffer with. I think when we think of the everyday hero, I think it's someone that suffers with. It's someone that comes along beside. It's like when you're at your lowest of low, you need the Holy Spirit to come alongside you. When you're lonely, you just need a friend. You need them to come alongside you. You need them to be with you. We act and suffer with. You know, there's a story of a man who fell in a ditch. I don't know if you've ever fallen in a ditch in life. And as the man's in the ditch, he looks up and he's shouting for help. And, and a holy man comes by and he says, hey, can you please help me? I'm in this ditch. I, I'm desperately needing to get out. I'm hungry and I'm sore and I'm cold. Can I please get help at this ditch? And the holy man writes out a prayer and hands it to him and says, bless you, my son. And he's got this prayer and he says, well, this is great. This, this is good for now, but I still need out this ditch. And a rich man comes along and he says, help, please help me. I'm cold and I'm sore. I've been here for days. I do not know how to get out. Can you please help me? So the rich man writes him a check and hands him a check. So he thought, well, I'm blessed and I'm rich, but I'm still in this hole. I need out. How can I do it? And his friend comes by and he says, hey, it's my friend. Can you please help me? The friend said, no problem. So the friend jumps in the ditch as well. And he says, why did you jump in the ditch? He says, can I tell you? In life, I've been in a ditch before. I've been in a hole before, but I know the way out. 
Can I encourage you, church, this morning that sometimes we don't need to always pray, but continue to pray without ceasing, the Bible says. We don't always need to be generous financially, although keep doing it. But sometimes people just need you to jump in a ditch with them. And in a culture of, of carrying this compassion, the everyday hero is just an everyday person. I want to share with you again from, from Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9. I don't know if you know much about the book of Proverbs. It was mostly Solomon that wrote it and, and his, his dad, David. But Proverbs 31, verse 1, it says that these are the sayings of King Lemuel, an inspired utterance his mother's taught him. Most theologians would agree from the research I've done that King Lemuel is actually Solomon. And it's actually almost like a bit of a stage name. You know, like Madonna or, or Rihanna or, or Lady Gaga, it's like, hey, this is, I don't really know what Madonna's real name is, but like it's a name that they want, like The Rock for the action movie fans in the house. Dwayne Johnson, but The Rock, that, that's a guy that can really beat some bad guys up. The, the sayings of King Lemuel, an inspired utterance. So this is his mother with Sheba. She said to me, said, listen, son of my womb, verse two, son of my womb, listen to the answer to my prayers. Don't spend your strength on women and your vigor on those who ruin kings. That's not for kings. It's not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to crave beer, lest they drink and forget what's been decreed. Let, or let, let them drink and forget poverty. But verse 8, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and defend the rights of the needy. When you think of a king, you think of someone who has power, you think of someone who has influence, you think of someone who, who has authority, you think of someone who passes laws, you think of someone who has this absolute power in the land. She's saying, forget about the women, forget about the drink and having fun, but lend yourself to those who cannot speak up for themselves, lend your power to those who have none, lend your authority to those who have none, and defend the rights of the poor and defend the rights of in other words, you've got to see things and you've got to speak up. You know, there are 400 million children tonight that will go to bed hungry. 400 million. But yet there are 700 million Christians with an evangelical faith. So we, you and me, you and I, we could wipe out poverty overnight if we all did something about it. I read a statistic from one of our global directors. They said this. They said that Compassion's ministry is growing exponentially. When I joined Compassion, there was only 1.2 million children under our care in 2014. Now there are 2 million children under our care. Praise God. But if we keep growing at that rate, it's going to take us 10,000 years to reach every child in poverty. I look at that and I think, actually, we've got to do something about it. We have got to do something about poverty in our city, in our villages, in our neighborhoods, on our clock. You know that there is so much poverty in this city that based on the statistics I find, I found it could fill Pataudry twice. That's just in Aberdeen. It could fill that stadium twice over. Proverbs chapter 31 is kingly advice. Don't chase women and food, but humble yourself. Humble yourself because when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord raises a standard against them. And the enemy has come in like a flood and is attacking this world with poverty and with sickness and with disease. And then we read in Matthew chapter 12 that a man was brought before Jesus and a demon spirit was on him who made him blind and unable to speak. I wonder for us if we've become blind and unable to speak for those who need us to see them and need us to speak up for them. I wonder if your neighbors need a friendly hello. Sometimes people get saved, I think, and they forget how to smile. 
It's true. Many churches I go to, you don't get many smiles. You guys have at least laughed at some of my jokes. But many Christians get saved and it's like the sense of humor is left at the door. Their sense of generosity. I don't know if you like things like positive speakers and great public speakers. I was watching a thing on, on Netflix just yesterday by Tony Robbins. I don't know if you've heard of Tony Robbins. But he's like this kind of uh, guru, kind of life coach, kind of guy. And he's watching it and these people are sharing their stories and, and he's helping them through it and coaching them through it. And the response from other people at these at how these individuals have overcome obstacles in life. I'm like, man, the church has got to get some of that. We get so jaded with the goodness. We're like, ah, yeah, God's good. Ah, yeah, God performs miracles. But I'm like, actually, God is good. God has performed miracles. God has saved. God has healed. God has brought you forth. He's set you free. We sometimes get a bit like jaded. People call it compassion fatigue. We depersonalize it. We grow contempt towards it. We get skeptical. We're like, oh, I don't really know if God really has saved them because, you know, I saw them last week in church and they weren't lifting their hands and their kids were screaming, oh, I saw them. We get so jaded with that stuff. But I believe God is calling us to be everyday heroes, to help, to defend, to speak up. Solomon was a king. He was a warrior. He was a provider. He was like a hunter, a leader. He was powerful. I think God is asking us to carry something fresh. To be the everyday hero for someone else. What if there's people in this room who, who are lonely and you know they're lonely and you love to cook and you love to be hospitable? You can invite me around your house next time I'm in Aberdeen for dinner. But today you could invite them around your house for dinner. Or your neighbor who never brings your bin in, but you always take their bin in. I don't know if you've got neighbors like mine, so we kind of share with each other. People are laughing because they're like, yeah, they never do it, but I always do it. I wonder if God is just calling you to be consistent with that. My wife and I, we've got the most incredible neighbors. They've actually taught us so much about being generous and kind and caring. Just, just over the past few months, my wife broke her foot quite badly on, on uh, New Year's Day. Uh, she, she missed one step at home, so from here to here, and she broke three bones, uh, snapped a ligament, and uh, another bone was dislocated in her foot. Like her foot bones should be like this, kind of like your fingers, but it was kind of a bit more like... Her foot had kind of came really out. She was in hospital for nine days. She went through a, a quite a serious round of surgery. She's got plates and pins and wires now in her foot. She's in a hard cast. She can't walk. She's not getting that off until this week. And then she's going into a foam cast for another six weeks. So it's a three-month recovery. She then needs to go in for more surgery in May. And can I tell you, some friends of ours that are Christians came around. She needs to, when we're out of the house now, she needs to go in a wheelchair. And Christian friends came around the house and they thought it was hilarious that my wife was in a wheelchair. Ha ha, we can take you out in your wheelchair. Ha ha, how funny is that going to be? Sometimes when you're in a season, you're not ready to laugh about it. In a few months' time, we might, we're not ready to laugh. We have a 15-month-old baby. I'm like, this is hard going. I'm, right now, I'm mum, I'm dad, I'm cleaner, I'm cook, I'm butler, plus I'm working, plus I'm traveling. We are exhausted. And this, this neighbor said, this, this friend thought it was hilarious. But our neighbor next door, these people do not know the Lord. He saw my wife come out of the car on her crutches. She kind of hops in and crutches to the house. And it came over and me. He said, are you okay? What happened? Do you, like, so, his face went white. So caring, so concerned. He said, are you okay? Do you need anything? You know, if you guys need anything from the shop, send us a text. We'll go pick it up for You need anything? Like, around the house, can we do anything? Just let, and he, I forgot, he's got a disabled sister. He said, do you need a wheelchair? 
we, I can get you a wheelchair. We've got a spare few. Like, don't worry about buying one. We'll lend you. We said, don't worry. We, we got one from the Red Cross. The following evening, his wife came to the door. Ding dong. And I ran down the stairs. And she's there with this box of fresh pastries. They were so good. <laughs> this box of fresh pastries and a card. And they gave it to us. And inside the card, this little note saying, we hope you're recovering well. If you need anything, please let us know. Here are both our phone numbers. Please, we know Don travels with work. Do not hesitate to get in touch. We'd love to help. They don't know the Lord. They are not, they, they're teaching us things about being a good neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, my days. You may be sat here today and you're saying, Don, I don't know if I can be an everyday hero. I don't know if I have extraordinary acts within me. Uh, I work for compassion. Let me tell you, one of the simplest ways you can make a difference is sponsoring one of those children on the back row, on that, that, that stand at the back, like, like Ace Gabriel. Sounds like a race driver. Ace Gabriel. Or, or, or Nene. 25 pounds a month in your prayers and your letters back and forth. You'll be transforming their life. You could just learn to be encouraging. You, you, your kids leaders today, I don't know if you realize the sacrifice your kids leaders make every week to look after your children during the church service. Thank your worship team. They were incredible today. Thank your pastors, Pastor Chris, Pastor, you guys do an incredible job. Thank you so much. Just having like that spirit of thankfulness. Start thanking God for the things you don't yet have. God, I'm believing for that job. I love to hear about people getting new jobs. That was powerful this morning. I wonder if you could just do that. I wonder if you could just be a better neighbor to your neighbors. Hey, neighbor, how are you? Hey, I got some chicken. I've got some left. Can we just bless you guys with a, with a meal? I wonder what you could do. You know, as, as a man, I, I don't often cry. You, you know, you get people that are tearful. I'm not really a tearful person. My little girl makes me tearful, if I'm honest, since we became parents. I'm like, oh my goodness, she just wakes up in the morning and I'm crying. That's true. Well... Sometimes if it's 5.30 in the morning, I cry a bit more. <laughs> but what, often I get to travel to some of the most horrific slums. And, and I'm in Addis Ababa in seven or eight weeks' time in Ethiopia. I was in uh, Uganda just uh, October, November last year. And when I visit these slums, a lot of the pastors I travel with, they get so teary-eyed. For me, I don't get teary-eyed. I get angry. I'm like, that should not be allowed. Why is that happening? I get angry. And, and I'm just like, we've got to do something about this. But I wonder in the story of the, of the blind man, of the mute, and of the everyday hero, I wonder what's your, I wonder if you're blind to the poverty around about you, blind to the need, blind to the cause, blind to, or whether you're just mute. You see it, but you just don't speak. Ah, I've got bigger things to worry about. Yeah, I've got a big job. You know, I'm, I'm like the chief, chief executive of my department. Or like, you know, I'm the senior director of such and such. You know, we've got four kids. You know, I'm like, Talk about your wife always being right. Mine is doubly always right. <laughs> I got all that stuff going on. Or I wonder if you are just the everyday hero that someone needs today. I wonder which one of those three you are. You know, I, I, met with, I met with a lot of ministry leaders around Scotland, denominational leaders who are just wonderfully godly people. But recently a conversation came up around the, the volunteer base and the team base within church. And the statistic that we shared is that we reckon that seven out of every eight volunteers within the local church are, are female. And I, I'm like, where are the, my reaction is, where are the dudes? Where are the men? Where are the kings? Where are the warriors? Where are the door holders? Where are the prayers? Where are the encouragers? Like well, I spent 10 years as a youth pastor in Glasgow and, and many of the social problems that the young folk would come in with, it could be summarized with two words, bad dads. 
absent fathers, non-existent fathers, dads that didn't care, that didn't encourage. And that's not a judgment by any means, but for me, I'm like, let's do something about it. Let's be an encouraging male generation that set an example of godliness, that speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute, speak up and judge fairly. We defend the rights of the poor and of the needy. I wonder if, if, if you could stand up and speak out for someone in your world today. Mark Twain said this, that compassion requires that we stand up for what we believe in no matter the odds. I wonder if you could stand up and speak. You know, the Bible says that faith comes by, and you can only hear someone else speaks. You got to speak up for those who need you to speak up. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. But what passes from the lips is overflow of the heart. You got to start changing how you see yourself. I'm not good enough. You never were good enough, but God is good enough, and we've been made righteous through him. Come on. Like, I, I don't know if God's really called me. You've got to dig deep in Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, that actually that you're his pleasure and you're his will, that actually he pressed, predestined you for adoption into sonship, that he called you, he chose you, he appointed you. It says that you've been marked with a seal in him. The, the king would have a, a seal on his ring and they'd get wax and drip it on a letter and seal it and only the king could do it. You've been sealed and marked in Christ. You've got to start locking that stuff like it says in Proverbs that I have locked your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. You've got to start doing that because there's a world that needs an everyday hero. Can I encourage you not to be blind to it and not to be mute when you see it? Speak up. Because there's a world that is desperate for you to speak up. I want to just point you guys to the screen for a moment. Watch this video and then I want to share and pray and hand back to Pastor Chris. Check out the screen. When I was eight years old, my father was taken away from us. And by that I mean he was murdered. Nothing was the same for me. News began to come to our doorstep. From our landlord, we got word that we couldn't stay in the house that we stayed anymore because we couldn't afford it. My mother had no job. My father was the only breadwinner. We moved from where we stayed to a place called Naguru Kasenki, which is one of Uganda's largest slums. And then I was introduced to our new home, which was a 12 by 12 room. I looked up on the roof. It was a tin roof that had holes in it. I've been to places where when it rains, people are happy. They get excited. But for me growing up, whenever it rained, that was a night that we would stay standing. Get little buckets, place just where the holes in the roof are, and wait until morning. A reality hit me that day. This was life. I remember when my mom said to us, there was no money for food. That ushered us into a place where we were now going to begin to go to the street to fend for food. Hunger began to set in, lack of water. I was a kid, I, I didn't have time to be a child anymore. As I lived like this on a daily basis, poverty began to speak to me as a child. I felt I was nothing. 
I didn't matter. Nobody cared to know my name. I think the best way I could describe who I was and what I thought is the word hopeless. My mother, in tears, uh, approached one of her friends just to share with her friend, and her friend shared with her about compassion. Compassion staff members immediately came to our home. Uh, I remember them coming with uh, just uh, files to, to, to get details of who we were, what our story was. I got the news that a young lady, Heather, she was 15 years old, a teenager. She had decided to sponsor me. I cannot find the words to describe the joy that filled our home when we got the news. Richmond, you've got a sponsor, which means you can now go back to school. It means food will be given to us because of you. I began to walk into that reality that ushered in me an opportunity to rekindle this hope that was taken away. Heather began to write to me, to hear words like, Richmond, I love you. Richmond, I'm praying for you. They began to bring healing into places that were destroyed by voices and poverty and my self-image. I remember my day, June the 3rd, 1996. I walked forward to accept the Lord Jesus in my heart. I began to feel, wow, I have been released from poverty. I have been released. God began to continue to grow the leadership within me. And then I felt fully called to pursue pastoral ministry. I began the Pastors Discipleship Network, a ministry that exists to train and equip pastors. And I spend a lot of my life training and equipping pastors in the Word of God. Looking back, into my life and thinking where I am right now and what I'm doing, I don't think any of this would have been possible without compassion. Compassion works. Everything that was placed within the program has helped build me to who I am right now. Poverty is not just the lack of money, the lack of material, food and water. Poverty is in, it's deep. I credit a lot of how I feel now about myself to those letters that I received from my sponsor. My name is Richmond Wandera, and I was released from poverty in Jesus' name. What an incredible story from Richmond. He was sponsored by a 15-year-old girl, not an accountant, not a lawyer, not an architect, not an oil and gas millionaire. <laughs> A 15-year-old girl that said, hey, I can make a difference in someone else's life. Uh, but I wonder if you can make a difference into someone else's life today. You know, our words have power when they meet action. I, I, was, I, was, uh, I was blessed that the, the young guy, Doug, that I should, have, uh, I should have helped many years later, walked into a room at a church service like this. It's the only time I've ever seen him in church. And he walked in with a friend of mine, Thomas. He had a big beard and big long hair and kind of squinted a little bit. I was like, it's definitely him. And I went over and apologized for, for not having stood up for him. And the bullying getting so bad, he had to move to another school other side of the, the, the town. And he said, hey, that's not you. It wasn't you. And I said, well, you know, 
through my inaction, I was as bad as those who'd done it to you. And I should have stood up and done something. And he was cool with that. He kind of gave me like a high five, whatever. I said, don't worry about it. Fine. But relative it was, it wasn't really. I should have spoken up. I should have done something. I want to give you the chance today to do something. Do something significant. Sponsor a child in need. We've got a bunch of kids, 20 or so from the Philippines, are looking for a sponsor today. I wonder if, if you could, could take that on. I don't feel pressure to, like, if you're here and you're like, I'm not sure, then hey, come and speak to me. If you're like, I already sponsored two kids, then thank you so much. You're the everyday hero to that child already. I wonder if you could do something else for someone. Or you go thank them, encourage them. But just now, can I ask you all to close your eyes? And I'm just going to pray. And if you feel the Lord is just really laying it on your heart to sponsor a child, the, the ushering team have got a number of children in their hands. If you feel that, hey, God's really ministering to me, can I ask you just to put your hands up? No one can see, only me. I'm the only one that can see in the ushering team. This isn't like a high-pressure thing. But just in this place, you're saying, hey, God has been so good to me. I can help someone. And just put your hand up in there. Over here, there's a hand there. Wonderful. There's another two hands here. There's one down the front. There's one down the side. Amazing. There's a few over here. I'll give you guys Ace Gabriel. if there's anyone else you're just saying hey I can do another one I'd ask you just to fill that in and return it to me at the stand or if you have questions come and see me there's another one just in the middle here there's another one over here at the side that's wonderful you know for those of you in the room who haven't sponsored then hey no pressure but I wonder if you could just do your everyday hero thing for someone just encourage someone. Invite someone over your home for a meal. Let them know you're praying for them. And not just say you're praying for them, because that's the easy thing to do, but when you actually pray for them, that's a little harder. You can encourage your pastors today. Say, hey, pastor, you do a great job. We just value you so much. Thank you, worship team. Thank your kids, program leaders. Thank you, youth leaders. Husbands, compliment your wife. Parents, thank your children. Tell me you're proud of them before they open up their exam results, not afterwards. Be the everyday hero to someone. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. I believe this is so close to God's heart. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for these wonderful people. Thank you for their welcome. Thank you for their hospitality. Thank you for the, their incredible pastors who have really humbled me by giving me this, this, this short time, these few minutes just to share Lord, for those who already sponsor, Lord, thank you for them. Bless them. Lord, your word says that giving will be given back unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Lord, we pray that you increase exponentially what is on their lives. And for those who have just sponsored, we pray you bless them, especially so today, Lord, as they embark upon an incredible journey with that child. And for everyone else in the room, Lord, I pray that myself included, we all feel challenged not to be blind, not to be mute, but Lord, to see and to speak up, Lord, and be the everyday hero for someone today. I think we can clap a bit better than that. So to the Lord. Can we just take a few minutes to pray? Um, did you say 400 million children or people? Children, just children, go hungry every night. I just quickly did a search when I was sitting down there. In the UK alone, 2 million tons of food 
are wasted by the food industry every year, not the one in your home. Just by the manufacturers and two million tons. And they've always said that the problem of the world is that those that have excess, they cannot get it across to those that don't have anything. And I think the beginning of that is that I, 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 I'm a person that I have guilt problem, and it's good if it is within the limit of the scripture. Uh, I do have moments when I have to clear the fridge, and I do it with a lot of pain. I hope you've not lost that pain. Uh, you shouldn't. And so if you go back home today, and some of those things are started not smelling so nice, you have to clear them. Remember that someone somewhere, even at that, in that rotten stage, they will love to eat it. And they will say, thank you, God, for even making this rotten food available. You know, yesterday, uh, it was funny, my, my wife picked, you know, we tend to use more of the evaporator, more of the cream for either tea or coffee. And so she brought um, a tin of milk out, and then she poured it in her tea, and um, she was, I said, it has gone rancid. And I said, well, I used the same milk. She said, no, it was a different one. Well, that in itself, praise God for that. If two things opened at the same time, but that's another story. But you know what came to my heart? I didn't tell her is that as some people, because I smelt it, some people will drink that tea and they will dance. Because, but thank God for where we are. Are you there with me? Don't lose your sensitivity. Now, all that Donna said stands on one thing and falls on one thing. The moment we lose our sensitivity, it's impossible for us to reach people. One other thing that probably before we stand up to, to pray, I, I would like to share with you is, you know, this, this issue of non-Christians doing the function that Christians should do. You know, everybody's a loser. No matter how much good they do, if you don't put a trust in Jesus Christ, they won't still go to heaven, unfortunately. And we that are called to do it, we're not doing it. So it's a double whammy. The devil is winning in both ways. We're not getting it up because some of them, they get stuck in that. I said, I do good, I do good. I do. And that's one of the campaigns we want to do now. We want to ask people to come in, non-Christians, to come and help in church. Yeah, we've been, we've been planning that. So what that we do is that now people don't like to take things from you, especially in a fairly proud culture, which is good. Pride, even a couple of things are close like this. So people, even we give an answer to so people, they say, is there anything I have to pay? They don't have anything to pay. So when they come in to come and serve, give their time, we, won't with, we will, without any pressure, introduce them to Jesus. So they will not just be giving without any reward. They will give with an eternal reward. And so... But that's not so much of so. Thank you so much, brother, for, for, for that wonderful word. We are. Come on, let's put our hands together once again and we pray. Um, we, 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 we crafted the program in such a way that I will have just this short time to pray with you. And I didn't know the Lord would lay something in my heart for us to pray about. It was quite graphic what we're going to pray about. That the Lord should, I won't tell you the graphic aspect of it, uh, but it was very clear that the Lord wants us to pray about something. And that's about cleansing. That the Lord should cleanse us. The Lord should clean the house. And then, second part of the prayer, what I will lead you to, through the two prayer points. And then, it should please bring dirty people in. So that this will be a house of cleaning. So, Lord, clean us inside. Did you follow it now? Now, as you are cleaning us inside, send more dirty people in. Because your church being, have my, you know, a church, uh, sorry, a hospital stays open because sick people are coming. Immediately they get healed and, you know, the church is not for those that are whole. He said the Son of Man has not come for those that are whole, but for those who are sick. 
I pray this place shall be the hospital it's called to be. And that with all gladness, we will call people in. You say, you know what? God is cleaning people in my church today. You know what? God is sorting people out. But may he start with us here today. You want to rise on your feet with me? I'm going to pray a few prayers. Amen? Amen. Amen and amen. I believe in holistic gospel. Holistic in the sense that our spirit must first be sorted. Our emotions must be dealt with. Our physical body must receive the touch of Christ. And of course, our finances and our material world should also receive everything. So when we talk about cleansing, I want us to start from the spirit level. And then we move in that stepwise manner onto the most outmost part of our lives. Hallelujah. So our first cry will be, when the psalmist was praying in Psalm 51, I think verse 9, he said, purge me with hyssop and I will be clean. Lord, clean your church. Clean us, Lord. And when we talk of cleaning, it might not just be the narrow definition of cleaning that you are looking at. It depends on who is doing the inspection. We once, you know, rented a house here in Aberdeen. It took God to help me to forgive the the, the agent. Because he said, you must leave this house the way you met it. You know what? Money was tight. And we decided to clean the house. We bought all the uh, bleach and everything. We cleaned everywhere. Because he said, if you don't clean it to the level we want, we will get a contractor to come and clean it and your deposits will be gone. And so we thought we did the best we could do. The person came in and I know I'm very clean. The person cheated us. But he taught me a lesson. He's only as clean as the person who is inspecting it. So if God is the one with the inspection, no matter how much you say you've cleaned it, it will not satisfy you because he is the major cleaner. That's why David did not say, I will clean myself. He said, purge me with Esau. Who is going to clean? Jesus. Because he will do the inspecting and he's going to do the certification. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If somebody in the house really wants to be clean today, clean of all issues. Sometimes it might just be guilt that has racked your life. It might just be past experiences of life. It might just be things that you are going through issues and things, circumstances. Ask the Lord to clean you out. Ask the Lord to clean you. Start with yourself. Ask the Lord to clean your home. Ask the Lord to clean your life. Every aspect. He is the one who knows how to clean best. Lift your voices and spend a moment or two and just stand by the scripture. He said, purge me, oh God, purge me. Oh Lord, clean us like never before. At every level, oh Lord, clean us out, we pray in the name of Jesus. Clean us of all, even our hypocrisy. Clean us, Lord, of our self-righteousness. Clean us of our smugness. Sometimes we are smug. Clean us, Lord, clean us today, we pray in the name of Jesus. Clean us of the anger and bitterness that has ravaged our hearts. Clean us of the more obvious errors and sins that we have committed, oh God. Wash us and we shall be clean. Somebody cry not to the Lord right now. Over the dean of my voice, just cry out, Lord, wash, I pray. Our brother was talking about that situation in which he was with Doug. And eventually, you know, I don't know the, the, the length of time, but sometime later, he had to confront the circumstance and the situation. And he had to say, you know what? I didn't do well there. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Don't give yourself a pass. Let the master mark your scripture. 
And as he marks us script, he will give you the right mark that is deserving unto you. Clean me, O God. Clean us, Lord. Thank you, righteous God. In Jesus' marvelous name we have prayed. Search me, O Lord. Do we still know that one? Old, old chorus. I know my sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, clean your children, God. Clean us right to the core, oh God. Clean us of pride. Clean us of self-sufficiency. Clean us of every gross and minor sins. Clean us up, oh God. Come on to me, except my father draws him. 
going to cry out to the Lord right now in spite of all the evangelism we do, in spite of all the doors we are knocking, in spite of all the traps we're giving out. If the Lord does not draw, then they won't come. So we're going to cry to the heavens, Lord, draw people. Draw them, Father, into the kingdom of your Son. Draw them into this house, O oh God. We declare that we are a house filled with God's love, ready to stand with those who are suffering, ready to stand with those who are rejected, ready to stand with those who have been instilled and infused with the spirit of poverty, who cannot live up, do not have choices. Lord, draw them, we pray. Are you ready to cry to him? That the Lord will draw men and women into this place. He will draw men and women unto himself. We are just a place for them to gather. He can't draw them to fountain of Lord. He needs to draw them to Jesus. But Jesus is here. Want you to cry with all your heart. Want you to cry to people that are not just selfish and just looking at yours. People are perishing. Ask that the Lord will draw them. The Lord will draw them. Our life is just like a vapor. Sooner. You know, sometime, you know, and by the calculation of heaven, it will not live forever if the Lord tarries. But we can make an impact right now. Cry unto the Lord to send his souls to this place. To draw men and women unto himself and save them. And save them. And save them. And save them. And save them unto the ultimate. Because it's the Lord who has all the power to cleanse. Lord, our city is filled with people who are in need of help. There are many that you have graciously given us the privilege to stand by. Those who are immersed in drug addiction and alcohol, that you have helped us to stand by them. And they have come as we thank you, but Lord, we want more of that. Those that are in poverty that we are dealing with in our locality, thank you, Lord, for those in Uganda, in Kenya, in the Philippines, in El Salvador, and all over the world. But Lord, here in our neighborhood, they still need to be touched. Touch them, Lord. Please lift your hearts unto the Lord with me. I believe that you are really praying with me because we need to talk to the heavens right now. We need to speak to the Father right now and he will hear and we do mighty things here. Thank you, eternal Father. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Will you promise that you will go and leave, you will live here praying these prayers with excitement? I've not led you in the prayer that I thought of. I've led you in the prayer I believe the Lord specifically revealed unto me we should pray about. If you do it, things will happen. If you do it, God will do his own part. But pray, you must pray. Father, we want to thank you. Is there anyone in the house, please, that have led that prayer of cleansing and there's a nudge in your heart that you need to make a clear-cut decision for Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We must never lose that opportunity. Maybe upstairs, maybe downstairs. You just want to say, yes, Jesus, I want to give my heart up to you. Just in that simple term. The Lord is in the house. He will do it. So if you are there, please lift your hand anywhere you are. You want to simple call. Maybe you've never made that decision before. You've never asked Jesus to come into your heart as your Lord and Savior. And you want to do that this afternoon, the opportunity is given right now. That's the first level of cleansing that is required. Please give them the privacy. Give them all eyes closed if you may. Please give them the necessary privacy. Hallelujah. So, ushers, then, if anyone has your hand up, even while I'm praying, just put the leaflet in their hand. Lord, we look up unto you right now. You are the Lord, our help. And no one can come unto the Father except and can come unto Jesus except the Father draws him. Lord, draw them this afternoon. 
touch of people's heart. There are still many people right on our street in our neighborhood who are in need of this same gospel. Lord, we pray, let there be a harvest, O oh God. Bountiful harvest in the next few weeks. Trusting you that next week, souls will walk in here. They will be saved. They will be cleansed. They will be sorted. Hear our cry, O oh God. Meet every need in this room, Lord, I pray. To you, our Father, be the glory and honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for the Lord. So we give our giving now. It's time to give. Offering and all. For more information on what you've heard, please visit our website at www.fountainoflove.org.uk. You'll also find other media presentations available to you. Stay blessed in Christ Jesus. Amen.